When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. From Veteran Stadium in Philadelphia, the Throwback League has a seven seed against a 10 for your pleasure today. The 1980 Phillies are home against the 99 Atlanta Braves. Josh Lewin with you. This is indeed the latest, greatest time waste. Now that we're all waiting for baseball to resume. 48-team bracket comprised of all the World Series winners 1974 through 2006. An at-large field of 16 more World Series losers from that time. And we simulate the games with the magic of the whatifsports.com website. You talk about a wonderful rabbit hole time waste. I take the play-by-play generated from the sim... I go into my little home studio and voila, 45-minute podcast of condensed pretend baseball game. And the winner of this one advances to play the two-seed in this region, the 77 Yankees. This game is interesting here for a couple of reasons I can see right away. It's the battle of MVP third baseman Chipper Jones and Mike Schmidt. You've also got a father against a son. you got the starting second baseman for the 99 Braves being Brett Boone. He was 11 years old, December of 1980 when his dad was the catcher here. We'll get some perspective on the 80 Phillies from one of my favorite guys in baseball, former Indian and Oriole, among others, Jeff Manto. Remember that baseball card? He's a Philly native. He grew up idolizing the Phillies, going to Veterans Stadium. We'll hear his memories of the vet and that team. That'll hit your ears in just a bit. But first, our pregame breakdown. Longtime Sunday Night Baseball announcer, Hall of Famer John Miller. That was a team of destiny, as it turns out, because... You know, I think it had been 30 years since they'd even been in a World Series, since the, the Wiz kids of 1950. And they had never won a World Series. This is a franchise going back to the 19th century. And uh, <laughs> uh, so it was always sort of a, a given, even if they made it all the way through, that they weren't going to win. And they had made it all the way through to the League Championship Series uh, a couple of times. Before, and the Dodgers beat them in 77 and 78. And yet, 1980 was when the stars were aligned and so many great players I mean Schmidt you start there but Steve Carlton in the rotation uh, such a, a, a fun Phillies team 1980 Thank you John and now getting you in the mood to talk 1999 let's start our pregame show by reanimating those visiting 99 Braves who just won their fifth consecutive division title 103-59 and record six game lead over the Mets at the end the Braves then beat Houston to win the NLDS, got a date with those Mets in the NLCS, and Atlanta took a three-games-to-nothing lead, almost gave it back, including the Robin Ventura Grand Slam single in Game 5. 
Braves won a crazy game six to seal it when Kenny Rogers walked in the winner with the bases loaded. So finally on to the World Series for the fifth time during the 1990s, but a quick and unceremonial sweep by the Yankees and the Braves still looking to get back to the World Series now. Two key players on the 99 Braves were probably Chipper Jones and John Rocker. Chipper won the National League MVP award. He hit 310. 110 runs batted in and probably sealed the award with his September heroics against the Mets. Rocker had 38 saves, later would create controversy due to his racist and homophobic comments in that Sports Illustrated article in December of that year. Among the gems from the Jeff Perlman piece, uh, the quotes from Rocker, imagine having to take the seven train to the ballpark, looking like you're riding through Beirut next to some kid with purple hair next to some queer with AIDS, next to some dude who just got out of jail for the fourth time, right next to some 20-year-old mom with four kids. It's depressing. The biggest thing I don't like about New York are the foreigners. You can walk an entire block in Times Square and not hear anybody speaking English. Asians and Koreans and Vietnamese and Indians and Russians and Spanish people, everything up there. How the hell did they get in this country? Closed quote. Charming. <sighs> Baseball in 99, the previous record of most home runs hit in the season was gone. We got up from about 5,000 to 5528 in this uh, era. You can kind of draw your own conclusions as to what this era was all about. It was the first season in 49 years to feature a team that scored 1,000 runs. The Indians did that. Josh Hamilton was the number one pick in the draft by Tampa Bay. Nomar Garciaparra led the American League in hitting and had a nice moment with Ted Williams at the All-Star Game in Boston out by the pitcher's mound. Marge Schott finally sold the Reds. David Cohn pitched a perfect game. Safeco Field opened in Seattle. Tiger Stadium closed in Detroit with Todd Jones striking out Carlos Beltran as the final moment. The Astros got ready to move out of the Astrodome. Your Baseball Hall of Fame class was ridiculous in 99. How about George Brett, Orlando Cepeda, Robin Yount, Nolan Ryan? mentioned George Brett, and he played against these 1980 Phillies that we're going to preview in a moment. That was a great World Series. Well, actually, George Brett tried to play. More on that in just a bit. But let's stay in 99 for now and frame it for you best we can. Was this playing in your Sony Discman? I bet you it was. At the movies, if you saw dead people, you were at the sixth sense. If you were walking around saying, yeah, baby, you, uh, you just come from Austin Powers. That was a very bad Austin Powers I just did. Can I, can I have a mulligan? Can I do, try that again? Yeah, baby. Oh, still crud. I used to be able to do that very well. On TV, what do we have? Regis Philbin wanting to know if that was your final answer. You were probably watching a doctor drama like ER. Sadly, John F. Kennedy Jr. died in 99 in a plane crash. Payne Stewart did as well. But in brighter moments, you likely bought your kids a Furby played with their Pokemon cards, took them out to Chuck E. Cheese. Lance Armstrong won the Tour de France for the first time. Brandy Chastain's penalty kick won for the U.S. women's soccer team. UConn men's team won in college basketball. The Dallas Stars beat the Buffalo Sabres for Lord Stanley's Cup, even though Brett Hull had a skate in the crease. With all that in mind, here now, the lineup for the visiting team, the 1999 NL pennant winning Atlanta Braves, managed by Bobby Cotts. It is Gerald Williams leading off in left field. Brian Hunter at first. Mentioned Chipper Jones at third. Andrew Jones, no relation. In center, you've got Brian Jordan in right. Brett Boone at second. Eddie Perez, the catcher. He was the NLCS MVP. Walt Weiss at short. And Kevin Millwood pitching. 
batting number nine. Millwood, a future Philly, will face these 1980 Phillies. Get music appropriate here. The team that wouldn't die, led by the man Tug McGraw called the maestro. Dallas Green was the first-year manager, the conductor of the orchestra, and sure enough, he orchestrated a veteran team all the way through to a title. They've been picked to finish fourth behind Pittsburgh, Montreal, and St. Louis in the NL East. Too old to hit the high notes in that orchestra. The, the youngest member of the starting World Series lineup was Manny Trio at 29. The Wheeze Kids, as opposed to the Wiz Kids, was a popular way to say it, but there they were squeezing past the Astros in a scintillating best of five NLCS for those five games going extra innings. World Series, we mentioned, matched them up with Kansas City. And as Harry the K, Harry Callis called it, 65,000 on their feet. The Tugger needs one out, just one more out. One-two pitch to Willie Wilson. Yes, he struck him out. The Phillies are the world champions of baseball. And after, in his packed manager's office, Dallas Green took this phone call. The President of the United States. Uh, my name is Dallas Green. Well, thank you, Mr. President. I tell you, we're, we're thrilled here in Philadelphia. It, uh, we waited an awful long time for this moment, and... and uh, uh, a lot of people said this baseball team couldn't do it, but I think we proved otherwise. I think we proved we're the best in 1980 in America. Got to go back to their amazing NLCS against the Astros. Four of those five games featured lead changes. The one game that didn't went 11 innings, ended up 1-0 Houston. Manny Trio, yeah, was the MVP. Del Unser had some huge pinch hits. The Astros had arrived in Philadelphia for game one only hours before the first pitch. They had just gotten done beating the Dodgers at Dodger Stadium in the one-game playoff the previous afternoon. Fourth consecutive game in L.A. for the club at that point. The Dodgers had swept Houston the final three games of the regular season to force that one-game playoff. Game four with Houston leading the series two games to one. Couple of catch or no-catch controversies. Greg Luzinski drove in the go-ahead run for Philly. Pete Rose storming the castle of the catcher at the plate there. There was an NCAA football game between Houston and Texas A&M that was supposed to have started at 7 o'clock that night. They've been given the option to move the game somewhere else, and they didn't. But the conversion of the Astrodome from baseball to football took a while. And that football game didn't kick off till 11.33 p.m. It ended a quarter to three in the morning. Then they had to get the, the baseball field ready for game five. In game five, doubles from Unser and Gary Maddox in the 10th inning made it 8-7 Philly. Dick Ruthven called on to get the Astros in the bottom of the 10th, a soft liner to Maddox, and the Phillies would have their first pennant since 1950. Elsewhere in baseball in 1980, uh, the Mets are sold to Nelson Doubleday and Fred Wilpon. The A's are talking about a move to Denver. Your Hall of Famers are Al Kaline and Duke Snyder. Steve Howe, the Dodger pitcher, National League Rookie of the Year. Joe Charbonneau of the Indians in the AL after he'd been attacked outside a Mexico City hotel in spring training in March, really. A fan looking for his autograph stabbed him in the chest with his pen. And Charbonneau would miss the start of the year, go on to hit 289 and drive in 87 runs. George Brett, the AL MVP, made a run at 400 that year, settled for 390. The NL MVP, none other than the Phillies' third baseman, Michael Jack Schmidt. And as a two-third baseman would go toe-to-toe -to -toe in the fall classic. Well, at least until Brett developed a case of hemorrhoids, which would no longer be a discussion about toes, unfortunately. We point out that Kansas City, back in the day, back in 1971, picked George Brett one pick after Philly had taken Schmidt. 
And what a great argument that raged for basically 10 years. Who was better, Schmidt or Brett? Brett or Schmidt? If you go by who had more career runs batted in, it was Brett 1,596, Schmidt 1,595. <laughs> Both men originally drafted as a shortstop, and if you're a fan of the Montreal Expos or the Nationals now, that franchise had the pick right before those guys. They took Dan Wortham, whose career would stall due to arm issues, and although he'd go on to become a very established major league pitching coach, oh boy, Expos, you couldn't have had, you could have had Mike Schmidt. You took Dan Wortham. Pop culture in 1980. We'll give you a little twirl around the dial here as you watch The White Shadow or WKRP in Cincinnati. And by the way, that right there is a bracket we should do. Best characters from those two shows alone would be brilliant. I've got Les Nesman and Warren Coolidge as my one seeds. I'll take Haywood and Herb Tarlick. They can be the two seeds. Jennifer Marlowe and Salami are the three seeds. I'll take Morris Thorpe and the big guy, Art Carlson, as the fours. Damn, make-believe is fun, isn't it? At the movies in 1980, you watched uh, Coal Miner's Daughter, maybe. You definitely watched Airplane, Caddyshack, and Blues Brothers. The Shining came out. Empire Strikes Back was out. But hold up. Think about that year for comedy movies I just mentioned. Airplane, Caddyshack, and Blues Brothers. It's like 90% of the movie lines we quote even now came from that one summer. Around the sports world, Al Michaels asked us whether or not we believed in miracles. The correct answer was yes. Ronald Reagan was president. Queen discussed this crazy little thing called love. And Tennille asked Captain to do that to her one more time. Ugh. All right, with that in your head, let's introduce the starting lineups now for the 1980 World Series champion, Philadelphia Phillies. Got that bat and uh, ball logo thing with the Revolutionary War dudes, right? One of the guys leaning on the bat holding the ball, the other with a, a long blonde wig wearing a glove. Leading off for the Phillies, the aging Phillies, Gary Maddox in center field, Pete Rose at first base switch hitter, Mike Schmidt at third, the MVP, lefty swinging Bake McBride is in right, Greg Luzinski, the bowl, is in left, Manny Trio at second, Bob Boone, the catcher, Larry Boa at short, Steve Carlton is pitching and batting number nine. Yeah, number 32, the man known simply as lefty, he of the sinister slider, Became the all-time leader in strikeouts by a lefty this year. He's 35 years old now. Got his third career Cy Young Award, leading the league in wins. And the other Philly starters, you might remember Marty Bystrom came up, had those great September starts. But also Dick Ruthven, Bob Walk, Randy Lurch, Larry Christensen. There was some Nino Espinosa in there. Carlton, though, the lead dog, Cy Young Award winner in 1980. Steve Stone was the American League Cy Young winner. Each man would end up getting the wrong award sent to them originally. Carlton got Stones, and Stone got Carlton's. Good job there, guys. One of Steve Carlton's most remarkable records you might remember, in 1972, he won 27 games for a team that won only 59. Tim McCarver was there to start the year as his personal catcher. They worked so well together in St. Louis. And, uh, well, he certainly felt Steve Carlton in that uh, deal for Rick Wise that eventually got... Carlton from St. Louis to Philadelphia. He actually thought at the time it was a pretty good trade for both sides, Tim McCarver has said. He felt that Carlton obviously had more raw talent, but Wise had better command on the mound. Carlton is the guy that went to the Hall of Fame, of course, in 1994. So, here we go now in 1980. The scoreboard here at the Vet says, let's get psyched. That's up over the bright green outfield walls. It is 330 down the lines, 371 of the alleys, 408 
in center field. It's a slightly humid, otherwise comfortable evening as Paul Richardson finishes up on the Veterans Stadium organ. Leading off for the 99 Braves, here's Gerald Williams, 14th round pick of the Yankees, originally out of Grambling. And eventually the Grambling man will be a rambling man. Yankees, Brewers, Braves, Tampa Bay, Marlins, and Mets. The man they call ice in and waiting. First pitch, a fastball high. It's 1-0. Dutch Rennert calls the balls and strikes for us. We'll do so with some style. Philly native Eric Gregg, the umpire at first. He's quickly become quite the foil for the giant green Phillies mascot, who in fact was sticking his tongue out at him as we speak. Pitch comes in. It's high again. It's 2-0. Williams is here, 275 batter, 17 home runs. Matched up against his former team, the Yankees, got swept in that World Series. Here's a strike on the way in, it's two and one. That one right down the heart of the plate. Set the defense for you. Greg the Bull, Luzinski in left, it's Maddox in center, McBride in right. Round the horn third to first, Schmidt, Boa, Trio, and Rose, Bob Boone is the Phillies catcher. Next delivery to the righty Williams. Swung on, lofted in the left. That's going to drop a base hit down in front of Luzinski. The bull charging and fires in. One on, nobody out. Brian Hunter to the plate. Braves loading up with right-hand batters against Steve Carlton. So it's Hunter getting the call at first base. 249 hitter this year. And the pitch to him, it's a slider down too low, 1-0. Atlanta in the gray uniforms with red and dark blue trim. Philly with the white home uniforms and maroon pinstripes, the stylized P logo on the right side of the jersey, up by the chest. Uniform numbers on the left side. Next pitch, a slider, swing and a miss, 1-1. One one. Best pitch that Carlton's got. Let me mention that Philly fanatic mascot. He's clapping it up. Dave Raymond is the name of the kid in that costume. He'll eventually hand it off to Tommy Burgoyne in the mid-1990s. Next pitch swung on, looped foul down the third base line. Foul ball caught in the seats by a guy in a tight set of denim jeans there and a custom-lettered T-shirt tucked into those jeans. See what it says on that shirt. Oh, Greg Luzinski Fan Club. And a 20 cents an iron-on letter. Wow, it's kind of an expensive shirt. He almost dropped his free giveaway item. The Tasty Cake Red Pencil Case is a giveaway today. One and two the count. Bobby Cox watching on from the dugout, that dark blue jacket with the red sleeves. Pitch is high, it's two and two to a guy who's going to end his career here in Philly, Brian Hunter. This is the right-hand hitting Brian Hunter, not to be confused with his contemporary left-hand hitting Brian Hunter. That Brian Hunter a little speedier. This one with a little more power. And speaking of power, Chipper Jones on deck. 2-2 on the way. Swung on, high fly ball towards center. Easy play for Maddox. He's there calling off McBride. So there's one out here in the top of the first inning. Gerald Williams back to first. Williams a, a moderate threat to run, I guess, but Carlton's got that great pickoff move, so not much of a lead yet for Williams. who did have... 19 steals this year. Here is the NL MVP Chipper Jones. Wanted to spite not going to the All-Star game. Shades of Kirk Gibson in 88 for the Dodgers. Pitch to him is low. It's 1-0. Big switch hitter batting right. 
Six foot four, 210 pounds, 13 postseason home runs for Chipper Jones, including one in the 99 World Series in a losing effort. Three nineteen hitter this year, the 45 home runs, 41 doubles too, and he was 25 of 28 stealing bases, walked 126 times. Here's the pitch coming in. A blast towards right center. That's a base hit. Ice Williams takes that turn. He's going to go to third. As the ball is played back in by Bake McBride. First and third here for the 1999 Braves and just one out. Brings up the other Jones. Here's Andrew Jones, or Andrew, as so many are calling him. Gold Glove winner every year from 98 through 07, as it'll turn out. Five-time All-Star this year, 275 hitter, 26 home runs. Native of Curacao, played in every game this year. He was good in the NLDS, good in the NLCS, but just one out of 13 in the World Series. Taking here in its low 1-0. Two on, just one out. Mentioned Steve Carlton with that great pickoff move. 144 runners picked off in his career. Next pitch on the way. That's a strike on the inside. One and one. Infield is a double play depth. Early on here, no score. Steve Carlton never threw a no hitter. Pitched six one hitters. Kind of amazing, huh? Philip Humber pitched a perfect game. Carlton never threw a no-hitter. Rock on the rubber. Here's a pitch to Andrew Jones. Swinging a chopper towards third base. Schmidt's play will be to second base, and that's all they're going to get. Run comes in. Well, they had that infield of double play depth, sure enough, but that ball hit a little too slowly. Andrew Jones runs so well, of course. So you've got to run in now. It is first and second, two out. And the batter, Brian Jordan. Jordan, an all-star game reserve. His only all-star game selection in his 15-year big league career. He and Millwood, the only two Braves that went to the all-star game this summer up in Boston. Here's a strike. It's nothing in one. Former two-sport star at the University of Richmond. Played for the Atlanta Falcons for a few years. In fact, had five interceptions, four sacks in his NFL career. Led Atlanta in tackles in 1991 as a safety, which is never good. Pitch is low here. It's one and one. Nineteen ninety-two is when Jordan signed his contract with the St. Louis Cardinals, gave him a big signing bonus to give up football and go exclusive with baseball. Pitch in the dirt here, the slider that he lays off of two and one. Big NLDS here in 1999 for Jordan. Hit 471 against the Astros at a game-winning double in the 12th inning of Game 3. Couple home runs in the NLCS, but then had a rough World Series. Here's the pitch. Swing and a hot shot and a left base hit. It gets right on the left fielder, though. Luzinski fires it in, and there's going to be no chance for Chipper Jones to come on in and score. Chipper holding at third base. It is runners at the corners now. Still the one run in 
And Brett Boone to the plate. He gets up there with a small little smile. Wonder what his dad, the Phillies catcher, is saying to him from behind that dark red catcher's mask. And what a thing here, father versus son. Brett Boone will go on to Seattle, become a bat-flipping star. For now, he's a 20-home run guy in his only season in Atlanta. It's the way station between the Reds and the Padres. Fastball is in there for a strike, nothing in one. Brett Boone traded here by the Reds this past November with Mike Remlinger for Rob Bell, Denny Nagel, and Michael Tucker. One thing about the Braves you can say, they know who to trade and who to hold on to for the most part. Maybe the trade they made with the Texas Rangers wasn't so great. They got 11 months of Mark Teixeira and that was it. But you look at all the times they traded the Cubs pitching. Guys like Andy Pratt, Kevin Kaufman, Kevin Blankenship, Joey Nation, Tyrell Harris. They never lost a trade with the Cubs, it seemed. Pitches low in the dirt. 1-0 our score, 99 Braves leading. And Brett Boone, who was a child, hung out in this 1980 Phillies clubhouse with the likes of Pete Rose Jr. and his own brother Aaron, Ryan Luzinski, Mark McGraw, the son of Tug. Here's the pitch, swing and a fly ball in shallow in left field. And the senior Luzinski, Greg Luzinski, is there. He pounds the glove, he puts it away, that's the inning. And it was one run in, but boy, it, it could have been a little bit more than that. Steve Carlton may be lucky to get out, allowing just the one. The 1980 Phillies coming up. Let's get you current to 1980. Hi there, friends. It's Jeffrey. When you come to Toys R Us, you can meet me, along with Gigi and little baby G. And wait till you hear who else you can see. You'll meet the amazing Spider-Man at Toys R Us. The Incredible Hulk will be there, too. You'll see that beautiful crime fighter, Wonder Woman the dynamic duo of Batman and Robin, and cute little Jeffrey Jr. too. The local newspapers will have time and place. Toys are us. That does sound like a good time, doesn't it? Hey, in the 1980 season, Jeff Manto was a teenager, and growing up just outside of Philly, he would become a pretty decent big league player. Very popular player, very personable guy. Went on to be a hitting coach for a while. I really think he could have gone into broadcasting if he wanted to, but... He's now just kind of checking out what his kids are doing. He's got uh, one of his sons playing at Villanova, matter of fact, right there in Philly. But, boy, when Jeff Manta was 16 that summer of 1980, what a special summer it was to be a Phillies fan. And I talked to him recently about what it was like growing up in Philly that summer of 1980. Well, I, I remember going to the Veterans Stadium more than a few times. And, and one of the things I remember uh, what attracted us more than the players sometimes, it's, it's funny, it was the, uh, the giveaways. I remember coming away with a Canada Dry Big Tin, uh, uh, like a big tin of all the Canada Dry soda cans. And we used to get uh, time and time again the Phillies attracted you, you know, with these giveaways. And, and, uh, and, I, and I remember those quite a bit. And I also, what was attractive was that it was a big, um, a big signing with Pete Rose and, and the town was buzzing. And I remember he was going for, uh, uh, he was going for a few records, and uh, what was going on was that people were wearing roses on their on their when they went to the games. They were wearing roses on their lapels. Uh, then you got uh, the, the most famous foul ball catch in front of the Phillies dugout uh, was phenomenal. And even bring, coming back from that, uh, even for, earlier than that was was the epic uh, series against the Astros. And I think Del Hunter had back to back games where he came in a pinch hit. One game I think he hit a triple. 
uh, and the place was just buzzing. It was just buzzing. And uh, when the Royals walked into town, obviously, you know, you don't know much back then about the Royals. All you hear about, you know, you hear about George Brett, Frank White, and if I'm not mistaken, Herzog, or not, uh, Dick Hauser might have been managing. And, and you hear about all these great, great players, and go, oh, my God, uh, this is going to be some kind of remarkable series. And sure enough, ironically enough, uh, George Brett comes down with hemorrhoids. And I think that as a collectively, uh, I think the city kind of uh, had a sigh of relief that one of their best hitters was going to be out of the game, out of the series. And uh, sure enough, you know, he played a little bit and it wasn't as effective as uh, we had read and we had heard. And, uh, you know, a great series to say the least. And then, again, I don't know what game it was, but it was in Philadelphia. And Tuck McGraw has uh, Willie Wilson. And when he strikes Willie Wilson out and he jumps and Booney charges the mound and uh, Mike Schmidt charges the mound. And it was uh, one of those times where it, it was a great, great Philly moment. And as you read the articles, you know, afterwards, uh, and Mike Schmidt came back and everybody wondered why Mike Schmidt, uh, I don't know if he called a timeout or he, he got Tug's attention. And, and talk to him. And one of the things that, um, that Shmita came out and said was, hey, listen, when you strike Willie Wilson out, I want to be the first guy to jump. So I want you to you jump into my arms. So there was a race to Tuck McGraw. And it was just spectacular. Just a spectacular fight. It was the first time in a long time. Well, my first championship as a fan uh, that I remember. And it was, uh, uh, to this day, you know, I see those guys around town, you know, Schmitty and, um, uh, Boney, it's, uh, it's, it's like we mentioned it. And I, and I, I dropped the old, uh, when I was a kid, I, I remember watching you play. So great, great memory to say the least. All right. Great stuff from the Mick, Jeff Manto, Mickey, Mickey Manto. That is what everybody called him in baseball. I used to love that. Kevin Millwood is on the mound here for the 99 Braves. One nothing. They've got the lead. Millwood 18 and 7, the 2.680 ERA is best on the team. Glavin's at 4.12 this year. Maddox, 3.57. Smoltz, 3.19. O'Dallas Perez, well, his ERA was six. Millwood, the only Brave with 200 strikeouts. In fact, he had 205. And he'll end up with 169 big league wins, more than 2,000 strikeouts. He'll actually end up starting the last ever game at the Vet before it shuts down, doing so as a Philly against Greg Maddox and these Braves in 2003. The Gastonia, North Carolina native set to face Gary Maddox, 278 hitter. And year, year in, year out, no one plays better defense in the National League than the Phillies. Maddox, a big part of that. The Secretary of Defense, they call him. He and Bake McBride both can go get it. Both those guys with the, the afros sticking out from the caps. They got those thick beards on their jawline. Maddox, originally a San Francisco giant, eight-time gold glover. And what do they say? Two-thirds of the earth is covered by water, the other one-third by Gary Maddox. He takes low, it's ball one. For a leadoff man, not a guy who walks, hardly ever. This year, 18 times and 583 trips to the plate. Here's a wind in the pitch. He's swinging here, fly ball towards center. And back on without a problem, Andrew Jones. He's there. He's got it for out number one. That brings up number 14, Peter Edward Rose, with those long, thick sideburns, the Prince Valiant haircut. 
led the league in doubles here in 1980, 185 hits overall, only one of which was a home run. Only Philly to play in every game. He did so at the age of 39. He takes low in the dirt here for Millwood, 1-0. Three World Series rings when it's all done, three batting titles, one MVP award, Rookie of the Year, 17 All-Star appearances as he takes low here, it's 2-0. 44-game hitting streak happened for him in June of 78 as a Cincinnati Red. Here's a swing of foul ball right back to the net, 2-1. July 19th against the Phillies when that streak was at 31. Pete was hitless going into the eighth inning when he walked. His team was trailing in the ninth. The streak looked like it was over. But the Reds batted through their entire lineup. Rose got another chance to bat. He came on with Ron Reed on the mound and a perfect bunch single to extend that hitting streak to 32. Here's a strike on the outside corner, two and two. Bunch of big league records for Pete Rose. Most career at bats. Obviously, most career hits, 4,256. Also, most career outs, most career games played. Next pitch from Millwood. Swing, line drive, but right to short. Walt Weiss plucks it out of the air. That's a really good shortstop there. Two down, and it brings up a wonderful third baseman, number 20, Mike Schmidt. 12-time All-Star, bright white batting gloves, red, white, and blue wristbands. Unusual closed-up batting stance. Turns his back a little bit to the pitcher, kind of rocks that rear end back and forth waiting for the pitch. 48 home runs. His fourth home run title in seven years. Takes a strike here. It's nothing in one. Pete Rose, who just lined out, once said, To have Mike Schmidt's body, I would trade him mine and my wife's, and I'd throw in some cash. Do you know that Ken Burns' baseball documentary was 19 hours long? There was not a single mention of Mike Schmidt in that whole thing. Pitch coming in, and it's low. One ball, one strike. Dayton, Ohio native, former Ohio University Bobcat. And his bat came alive in the 1980 World Series. Couple home runs, seven runs batted in. He was a World Series MVP. Next pitch inside, crowds him, backs him off the plate. It's two and one. Next year, 1981, the strike-shortened season, who knows what he could have done. 31 home runs, seven more than anybody else in the league. Led the league in runs scored, runs batted in, a lot of stuff. He'll win his second consecutive MVP. Next delivery for Millwood, swing, another hard-hit ball to right to first this time. Line drive caught by Brian Hunter. Now, I'll tell you what, Kevin Millwood living large here. Line drive from Rose, line drive from Schmidt, but a couple of outs. And that ends the first inning. It is still the 99 Braves 1, the 80 Phillies nothing. I mentioned 1999. Let's go to break with that. Hi, Tom Bodette from Motel 6. Well, since this Y2K computer bug is going to plunge our civilization into an era of complete and utter darkness, it makes sense to see the light at Motel 6 before it's too late. That way, you can enjoy the apocalypse from your clean, comfortable room as the world outside crumbles and comes to an end. Or not. Call 1-800-4-MOTEL-6 and we'll leave the light on for you. Well, it turns out the Y2K meltdown was a tad overblown. 
One nothing our score after one. Due to time constraints, we move ahead to further action. I'm going to fill you in on what happened in the meat of this ball game. There wasn't a lot of scoring going on. It became two nothing Atlanta in the top of the fourth when Carlton actually got into some control issues. There was a key error made in that inning as well. That by Manny Trio at second base would render the run that scored unearned, but it scored on a bases-loaded walk. Chipper Jones taking a 3-2 pitch just outside, but then Andrew Jones bounced into a fielder's choice, stranding the bases loaded. 2-0 for the Atlanta Braves of 99, going to the bottom of the sixth when Pete Rose would get on with a walk, Mike Schmidt fly deep to left, but Bake McBride didn't miss. Guy that had not too many home runs during the regular season, only nine of them in fact, but he did have 87 runs batted in. He jacked one out down the right field line. The cleanup man hitting in between the two powerful righties, Schmidt and Luzinski, that tied the game 2-2. Kevin Millwood served it up. It would stay 2-2 all the way into the bottom of the ninth. Millwood ended up going seven innings for the 99 Braves. Mike Remlinger came on to pitch the eighth and he would open things up in the ninth as well. Though they did have Kevin McGlinchey and John Rocker getting loose in the bullpen. Remlinger, the lefty, let's pick it up here. Remlinger wearing number 37, former first-round pick of the Giants. Ivy Leaguer, Dartmouth Big Green back in the day. Was 10-1 out of the bullpen this year. 2.37 ERA. Working with a salt-stained dark blue cap with a red bill. Facing Luzinski. Wearing number 19, he hit 19 home runs. Second most on the team, the Schmitz 48. Strike one in on the inside corner to the Bull. 6'1", 255, that's why they call him the Bull. 300 batter for three straight years in the prime of his career. Not much of a year this year, though, as he takes a ball outside. One ball, one strike to Lezinski, who just a couple of years ago was a top National League All-Star vote-getter. Had a home run the All-Star game before that. 1977 game, he hit one off Jim Palmer. And with some injuries this year, some slumping, just a 228 batting average. Did have a couple game-winning hits in the NLCS. Had a big two-run home run in the bottom of the sixth inning in game one. As the pitch is in the dirt, two and one. Chicago-born Greg Luzinski. It'll end up playing for the White Sox, too. Debuted at the age of 19 for the Phillies. Pinch hit and a loss to the Mets at Shea Stadium. 2-1 on its way. Swing high, fly towards center. Andrew Jones, who plays pretty shallow anyway, pretty much dead in his tracks. He's there and makes the catch one out here in the bottom of the ninth inning. This game tied 2-2. Now Manny Trio, whose best season as a Philly was here in 1980. 292 hitter, seven home runs. Native Venezuelan, signed as a catcher by the Phillies. Converted to a third baseman by Dallas Green, was his first minor league manager. He's followed Dallas around a little bit. They were together with the Cubs. Trio taking low, it's 1-0. Trio was huge in the NLCS this year. 381 batting average. Was part of a great relay with Bake McBride in that decisive game five. Cut down Luis Pujols trying to score from first on a double by Craig Reynolds. Next pitch on the way. It's outside 2-0. Now Trio would make his mark in game five of the World Series too. Another great relay play to cut down Daryl Porter. 
He'd have a game-winning hit as well in that World Series. Nobody on, one man out. Here's the pitch, a little bloop towards right field. That's gonna drop, it's a base hit down in front of Brian Jordan. And the go-ahead winning run is on base here for the Phillies. Bob Boone to the plate, the catcher, who's one for three in this one. Four-time All-Star, San Diego native. We've talked about his son, Brett. Of course, he has another son, Aaron. And Bob Boone is the son of a big league player, too. Son of the late third baseman, Ray Boone. Pitch is swung on, looped foul. Back out of play this way, nothing and one. Boone, a future manager, and had there been an MLB franchise awarded to Orlando, they were going to be called the Orlando Sunrays. This is the guy they were ready to hire to be their first manager, but of course Miami and Denver got those gigs instead. National League expansion teams. Pitch in the dirt here, one and one. Winning run at first base. And the Stanford product, Bob Boone, is waiting. He was third in Rookie of the Year voting back in 1973 behind Gary Matthews and Steve Rogers. Right-hand hitter, bat cocked high. Here's a wind in the pitch. Swing, bouncing ball towards short, slowly hit. Weiss to Boone for one. Can't turn the double play against his dad. Just a little bit too late. That would have been something to get to extra innings with Brett Boone doubling up his dad. But Bob Boone is at first. California native will stay in the game here. They've got, you know, for example, Keith Moreland on the bench if they want a pinch run. Even Lonnie Smith. But if indeed this game goes extras, I'm sure they want Boone behind the plate. So it's Larry Boa coming to the plate now, another California native. Kind of a walking keg of dynamite, too. Always very demonstrative, very emotional. He had the very first hit ever recorded here at the vet. Boa, one for three, up there wearing number 10. Looks like Steve Carlton's done, because John Vukovic is now on deck. Right-hand batter. Now, if they go with McGlinchey out of the bullpen to neutralize Vukovic, they could always go with the different Vukovic. George Vukovic is the lefty hitting Vukovic. Dickie Knowles is up in the bullpen now for Philly, by the way. Pitch is low, it's 1-0. To Larry Boa, and the, the story goes that the scout that signed Boa never saw him make a play at shortstop, never saw him swing the bat. He had shown up to see him play a doubleheader. In game one, Boa was ejected from the game for bench jockeying in the top of the first inning. <laughs> game two gets all over the same umpire again, shoots his mouth off, gets run before he takes the field. So all Boa's coach could do was borrow a film projector, string up a bed sheet, showed the scout some eight millimeter film of Boa legging out a double, and the scout said, all right, what the heck? I came all this way, we'll give him a couple grand if he signs with us. Pitch is in there for a strike, it's one and one. Name of that scout that signed him was Eddie Bachman, also the guy that signed Buck Martinez and Bob Boone as catchers, so imagine how Eddie Bachman felt one particular offseason when Boa, Martinez, and Boone, all three of those guys, signed on as big league managers on three consecutive days. The pitch to the Hall of Fame bench jockey is low, it's two and one. They say one year when uh, the Davy Concepcion-Larry Boa debate was in full swing, it was the better shortstop, Boa started calling Concepcion Elmer and one day in August, Pete Rose finally sought out Boa during BP and said, hey, Pee Wee, 
which is Boa's nickname. Concepcion wants to know why you call him Elmer. And Boa said, tell him it's because every time I pick up a Reds box score, it says E Concepcion. So I figured E must stand for Elmer. <laughs> that is vintage Larry Boa. Winning run takes that lead off at first. That's Boone. Here's a 2-1. Swing, line drive up the alley in right center. And this has got a shot to end the game. Digging for third is Boone. Lee Ilya sends him around. Relay throw from Brian Jordan to Brett Boone. Trying to get Bob Boone. It is too late. It's a walk-off winner from Boa. As one Boone's throw is too late to get the other Boone at home plate. Eddie Perez walks away. No arguments here. Looks like Dutch Renard got it right. Bob Boone scores ahead of the relay throw. And Larry Boa ends up the hero. The 99 Braves are eliminated. A 3-2 final here at the Vet. The 1980 Phillies will move on. That's the most exciting finish we've had in the throwback league so far. Our next game, we've got to pimp this out right now for you. We'll have another 7 seed against a 10. It's going to be the 85 Royals as the 7 seed against the 10 seed 2003 Yankees. Danny Jackson against Mike Mussina is the scheduled pitching matchup. So, the 85 Royals and 03 Yankees, next time you download it. And we hope you're subscribing, not just downloading. This way it comes right to your iPhone or your Android, whatever you got. And if you'd be so kind as to leave us a five-star Uber review on the uh, on the iTunes when they ask you to review, that's certainly appreciated. Best thing you can do for us, honestly, is just get on Twitter, tell people this thing exists, or pick up the phone and tell somebody this exists. However you're communicating these days, that's fine. Just stay safe, stay happy, and keep on downloading. Keep on talking to us here. You can interact with us on Twitter at the Throwback LG for League or thethrowbackleague.com. That's the website. This is Josh Lewin. Congratulations once again to the Walk It Off Wheeze Kids. The 1980 Phillies get it done in the bottom of the ninth thanks to Larry Boa. The Phillies 3, the 99 Braves 2. Bye-bye.